Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Marshals and Marbles, one fan's review of the Formula 1 season one race at a time. This episode will cover the inaugural Miami Grand Prix. Alright, let's get one thing out of the way first. Yes, the track had a fake marina. Yes, at first I thought it was a stupid idea. And yes, I laughed when the pictures came out of them putting wallpaper down to look like water. But when I saw it again during the actual race, I didn't think it looked that bad. You know, it was actually kind of interesting. Just no close-ups of people walking on the water, and we're, we're all good. So, this is a street track built on land, both parking lot and not, next to and in, around the Hard Rock Stadium, which is the home of the Miami Dolphins, who are owned by Stephen Ross. Miami is an event town, and man oh man, was this the event to end all events. It was a glitz and glamour-filled weekend, well, week really, for uh, Miami, except on the track on Sunday. Looking at social media pages the whole week, this was a Super Bowl-like event for not only Formula One, but Miami. There were parties everywhere. Every team had parties. Teams had their own merchandise, which I think is pretty cool. I think they definitely need to have Miami merchandise separate if they want to make this track and keep this track interesting. Uh, you know, there was Red Bull had skydiving. For those of the Dan Levitard show who are interested, Red Bull also had a helicopter flip for those who are interested in the Dan Levitard show took part in that and hopefully we're going to get the content of that but I mean it was it was a Super Bowl for all intents and purposes and the grid on Sunday was packed like nothing I've ever seen before so many people Martin Brundle didn't know who to talk to or who he was talking to uh, a bit of a gaffe on his part but hey you know uh, NBA prospect versus Patrick Mahomes we'd all make that mistake I actually do want to say one thing though I actually think here that there were too many people on the grid. It needs to go back to the way it used to be, you know, a few celebrities and Martin talking to drivers and team personnel, and not the circus it has become. It's been like this now, I've noticed, growing, and Miami has been the worst. You know, it it, it, sh it shouldn't be that packed. Even Martin Brundle made comments. You, you gotta make it special. You know, there's a few celebrities in this, but I mean, half the time, oh, what was it? Dwayne Wade, the Williams sisters, DJ Khaled, I think were the only ones I recognized. And then three quarters of the people there were all these random people, like social media, what? No, 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 no. The grid has to be back to being special. I don't care if you're an Italian social media star with 28 million followers. That's in Italy. When we're in Monza and in Imola, by all means, you can be on the grid. But in Miami, let's cut out the social media. Let's cut out these random people. No, they, the, the rich people get to do their, their grid walk and see the pit lane and all that stuff. We don't need to make the pit lane this packed. It's Honestly, I thought it was one of the worst grid walks ever because he didn't get to talk to people. The only interesting thing I thought was the fact that the Prime Minister of was it Bahrain, the Crown Prince or his rank is, was there with no bodyguards, <laughs> walking around like an average Joe, only one of the more powerful men in the Middle East, the head or deputy head or whatever the second in command is for these uh, Bahrainian armed forces, I guess is how you pronounce it, and he's just there walking around with no bodyguards, and then there's like Serena Williams with 15 bodyguards, and it's like, mm, one of these things is not like the other, but I digress. 
another thing I also want to talk about is what was that podium? What was going on? I'm sitting there watching it, waiting for the podium, and then all of a sudden there's a golf cart with two motorcycle cops driving through the stadium. This is the overtop part of America that I can't stand. What are we doing with motorcycle cops driving through Hard Rock Stadium? Uh, I mean, I get it. I know what he was trying to do. He wanted the Hard Rock Stadium logo on that side for the podium. He wanted all that there. You know, if you listen to my uh, other podcast, uh, no offense, I talk about why Miami was in there, reviewing David Sampson's Nothing Personal with David Sampson, his podcast, and he talked about it, how basically this was Stephen Ross rebranding. I'm not getting into Miami politics here, but anyways, that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to have the Hard Rock, and that's also where the concert began the week, was overlooking the Hard Rock Stadium. So everybody associates Formula One and Great Time with Hard Rock Stadium, not the Miami Dolphins, and their terrible, and I mean terrible, uh, record and team. But, I mean, it was just so embarrassing. Two motorcycle cops driving through the stadium with their lights on. Sirens blaring. And, oh, come on. Come on. Really? Really? We gotta figure this out for the next nine years. Because they got a ten-year deal. This can't be... It can't be like this every time. Because this is just... It's foolish. It's an absolute joke. But all this was pre- and post-race. And I'm just gonna say it right now. The race itself, it was boring. The track was not exciting, and the prospect that this is going to be on the calendar for the next decade, honestly, is a slight worry to me. You know, especially with Las Vegas. I looked at Las Vegas, and what looked interesting now looks like it's going to be boring. Again, long straights, a lot of turns. Uh, You know, Miami, the track, it looked amazing. I will fully give Ross and the promoters an F1 that. Because this is an F1-hosted event. Stephen Ross is not paying the fees like normal Formula 1 events. This is an event put on, as is Las Vegas, put on by Formula 1. So Austin pays a race fee. And if you look at the news in the past, Texas and Austin have had a lot of trouble paying their, I think it's $25 million U.S. Uh, race fee. Because that's a lot of money just to host one event. Uh, Miami and Las Vegas, from my understanding, are hosted by Formula One, which means they get all the ticket revenue, marketing revenue, all that. They might pay Ross a small fee, but Ross just gets the the, the press and the coverage. So Miami and Las Vegas, this is supposed to be the future of Formula One in America. You know what? Give me more Circuit of the Americas. Give me more uh, Austin. Because if it means that we have to maybe take a few years to build a racetrack or something like that, I'd rather have that than Formula One putting on these boring races of boring tracks. Because Las Vegas now, the street track, honestly, I'm going into that a bit hesitant. I'm not looking at that as this cool and exciting race anymore. I'm looking at that as another potential boring race. I don't know. I'm kind of worried. Maybe Miami will flesh itself out. That turn, the hairpin, whatever the hell it was. Sorry, forget the turn now escaping for the life of me. See, this is how boring this track was. Uh, all I know was under the bridge. The drivers complained about it. Like, what were they doing? The drivers complained about this track. Uh, the surface. I mean, the surface, eh, I'm questioning on it, but just the track itself. It wasn't exciting. It, it really was a boring race. And these cars have been doing better. Are better designed. And the racing has been better, is what I meant to say. Uh, and so, yeah, I think this boring 
track. This boring race is due to the track, and I don't know how much they can change it with everything that's around it without it costing a small fortune, and I don't see Stephen Ross doing that without more upside, if it is true that Formula One is taking pretty much all the sponsor and, and ticket revenue. So yeah, I'm kind of worried for Formula One in America, to be honest with you, especially Formula One in Miami. Okay, so let's get into the race. So the top ten of the grid was Charles Leclerc of Ferrari first, uh, Carlos Sainz of Ferrari second, Max Verstappen of Red Bull third, Sergio Perez of Red Bull fourth, Valtteri Bottas of Alfa Romeo fifth, Lewis Hamilton in sixth of Mercedes AMG Patronus, Pierre Gasly of Alfa Tari seventh, Lando Norris of McLaren eighth, great to see that, Yuki Tsunoda of Alfa Tari ninth, and Lance Stroll of Aston Martin tenth, which is great to see Aston Martin in the top ten, even though it's only one. Uh, Seb does seem to be looking a little bit better this year. It's just the car is really letting uh, them down. So, lap one is a good launch from Max to pass Carlos on the outside of turn one. Fernando Alonso of Alpine is also up four positions on this lap from 11th, which is great. Daniel Ricciardo is up three from 14th. Bad qualifying from Daniel yet again, but a decent start to start the race. You know, at least he's not languishing right away. So... I'm going to be skipping ahead in this race because it was quite boring. Uh, I took, the way I do my podcast is I take notes on the laps and then I talk about it. So I, things that I think were interesting. And honestly, I looked back at my notes and, and looked back at the race and there's just, I'd be talking about, oh, so-and-so did a pass on this in the midfield. I'm not getting into a lap by lap. I've said in the podcast in the past, I'm not doing that. So I'm going to be skipping ahead on this. So, <clears throat> lap 9 Verstappen passes Charles with DRS and this right here I want to talk about this and this is what I'm going to maybe do with this podcast in some episodes when the race isn't as exciting kind of go more into Formula 1 this to me is one of Ferrari's main problems this is in my opinion Charles Leclerc's championship to lose but in my episodes in the previous I had a caveat of Ferrari will be the reason he loses if he does you know, other drivers, I've said, I think it was the last episode, other drivers, I would not be surprised if they lost themselves. The team put them in a position they couldn't close. I, I'm not getting into the drivers, but I do think there are drivers like that, like Ricardo. I think of Ricardo in that McLaren, he's letting the team down. If he was leading the championship at any point, he, and he lost, he would have lost it, not McLaren. Anyways, Ferrari... And Christian Horner, well, Ferrari, and actually Christian Horner spoke on this, is how I put it, on the grid. Ferrari set the car up for qualifying and not for the race. Red Bull set the car up for speed, less downforce. Ferrari had slightly more downforce. And there is a difference. I'm not going to get into it because there is. But with the car set up, you know, you have to go into qualifying now. Uh, It used to be in Formula 1. I believe it was mid-2000s that they changed it, around there. Formula 1 used to be the Wild West in terms of spending. We have a cost cap. It not it didn't used to be like that. Like, Toyota, at its height, when Toyota was in Formula 1, used to spend like $500 million a year. But one of the things Formula 1 had in the Michael Schumacher era, when he was at Ferrari, one of the things they had during this time was they had different setups for different sessions. So qualifying had its own engine, its own gearbox, its own setup. We had a little bit when, uh, tw- up to 2020, we had like the party mode, which was a faster speed. Formula One got rid of that. 
but that's been in a progression. What it used to be is you used to have a setup just for Saturday qualifying. So Ferrari, with its deep pockets and willingness to spend excuse me, hundreds of millions of dollars a season just to win, would have a special engine and a special setup and a special gearbox just for qualifying. They qualify, they change everything out for the race, and then they'd be set up for the race. And partly of why Ferrari had the dominance. And so that's that was changed, again, for cost-cutting and, and things like that, and making it fairer, because Ferrari is willing to spend the money. Uh, so now you have to, and it's been this way for well over a decade, well over a decade, we've had Parc Fermé, and I've spoken about this before, but basically <clears throat> Parc Fermé is the minute that car goes for the very first, when qualifying starts and the car goes out, the condition and the setup of that car remains. You can change it when there's an accident, but you can't change the setup. So if you set up your car for qualifying, which teams do when there's lower fuel, you have the car set up for that. Then come race, if it's not going to work as well, you're at a disadvantage for the team that said, oh, we'll take third, fourth, fifth, sixth, but we better set up for speed in the race. And so Ferrari did not set up the car for the race, Red Bull set up their car for the race, hence why Max Verstappen was not on pole. But we'll see later on that this really helped Max. Max was able to fly past Charles with DRS, and he took first, and he stayed there the whole race. And this, to me, is one of Ferrari's problems. They are a team, and I can say, I say this because I am a Tifosi. Uh, I do like other drivers and, and other teams. I, I do kind of have a general support, but my heart does belong with Ferrari. It, it always has since the Kimi Raikkonen days, uh, when I first started watching Formula 1. In 2010, Fernando Alonso of Ferrari was stuck behind Vitaly Petrov of Renault in the title-deciding race of that season in Abu Dhabi. He could have won the championship. Ferrari during this time period could have won the championships a couple of times instead of Sebastian Vettel of Red Bull. How different things would look if Fernando had more than two championships. But anyways... Yet, there was a lot to do with strategy in the race, and that also played a big thing, is Ferrari also doesn't get the strategy right quite a few times on when to change tires. They seem to struggle in that department uh, quite a few times. They all seem to second-guess themselves, not always know. Mercedes is, is, I think, the best, followed by Red Bull, and then Ferrari is just sometimes they're out to sea. You don't know what they're doing. But they got the strategy wrong during that race, but they also got the car set up, and he couldn't pass Vitaly Petrov in a Renault because of how the car set up and the engine changes and all that stuff that Renault had managed to do. They set the car up the, not for the race, and Fernando Alonso, frankly, lost the championship because of the time he spent behind Vitaly Petrov of Renault, and he was on the radio. I remember that race talking about how he couldn't get past him. Oh, Renault in 2010. Renault was nowhere near they had Kimi's one race victory by fluke, and they're, they were a languishing team for years, years, and yet Ferrari couldn't get past them. Ferrari. And this is Ferrari's downfall. That and getting illegal things banned. But this is Ferrari's downfall, is they are, at times, and it's at crucial times, bad with the setup and bad with strategy. And so this is what's going to cost, if it does, Charles's championship. I hope he's speaking with them, and they're figuring it out because they have to. Uh, 
I hope they start getting it right going forward. You know, having too much downforce slowed down Leclerc and Carlos and made Verstappen easy pass. That that was there. And I think if it wasn't for Sergio Perez's issue, which I'm going to talk about, uh, I think Perez might have even finished second. Definitely third, which would have affected the constructors even more. So... I also want to talk about lap 12. We see that Valtteri Bottas is still ahead, is well ahead, I should say, of Lewis Hamilton. That Ferrari engine is more powerful than the Mercedes full package, engine, car, everything. Mercedes has a lot to overcome if they want to get beyond third in the constructors and fifth and sixth in the drivers' championships. And it turns out from this weekend that it is related to the floor of the Mercedes. Now that is a problem, a big problem. The issue with the floor is that it dictates everything else. So changing the floor doesn't just mean changing the floor of the car. And the floor of the car is, well, just basically that the floor of the car is where the diffuser is. Everything basically sits on top of it. It's the black part that juts out. That's the best way I can kind of describe the floor for new fans. The, the issue is, and when you look at them when they take apart the car, it's basically that big, flat, black carbon fiber piece you know when they take it all out and it's there underneath it it almost looks like the under edge of a airplane wing it's how they get the downforce it's it's one of the main parts really of how they get downforce is the car gets sucked into and this is also where the porpoising effect comes in it's where the wooden plank that's put there to make sure the car's ride height is legal it's where the titanium plate is bolted that gives the sparks also for ride height and it's how the porpoising happens where the diffuser uh and the air gets sucked into the bottom of the car. It draws the car down to the track, hits the track, bounces back up, loses downforce, connects it again, pulls it back down, and that's so you get the porpoising where it's going up and down and up and down. Side note. But anyways, changing the floor means changing almost everything. It means changing, you know, the front wing changes, how the airflow goes around it. It means changing the side pods because, again, the wings change. It means changing the uh, suspension. And all of this is not an easy fix. You're not just messing with one system. If it was just the floor, you'd literally take everything off the car, put in the new floor, put everything back on it. Bob's your uncle, move on. But it's not. You change the floor. You do. You have to change the front wing, the suspension, the side pods depending on how big the change has to be, it might even have to be changing placement of things in the car, in the engine, in the internals. Because if it's too much change, if you're saying, well, the only way we can do it is if we move the fuel tank and move this and move... You're, you're potentially going down a path of a complete and utter car rebuild. That's always the potential when it comes to the floor. When it's the rear wing or something like that, that's not a problem. That, that's not a problem. It's a problem, but it's manageable. It's not the basis of the car. I mean, the floor is, well, frankly, the floor. Everything else is built upon it. So now you're changing the basis of the car. That's huge. That's, that's massive. I don't think that that's a fix this season. I think they might be able to do minor things and maybe maybe get onto the podium at some point this season but with the word now being that it's the floor they're they're not going to be able to compete this season they're not third in the constructors and fifth and sixth for the drivers and fifth and sixth in the race is the best that they're going to do if it's the floor because that is yeah 
luck is going it's going to be luck for a podium and it's going to be ferrari and red bull failing to finish is what it's also going to be you know it's 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 podiums are never out i mean we've seen podiums where drivers in the midfield you know you look up and you see a a haas on the podium that type of thing and you're like how did that happen well look at the finishing order the mercedes didn't finish the rebel didn't finish the ferrari didn't finish the mclaren didn't finish who's left it's sometimes it's attrition and that i think is the only way that there's really going to be any success is we're not going to see george russell consistently on a podium or lewis hamilton consistently on a podium and by that i mean third or second maybe a race win i think is completely out of the picture again unless ferrari doesn't finish and rebel doesn't finish because that mercedes is still the best of the rest I never thought I'd say that at Mercedes, but it still is. McLaren, give it a bit of a run for its money, but really, if McLaren's the only competition, four cars, three positions, Daniel Ricciardo is not going to be up there, well, then there's your podium. George Russell, Lewis Hamilton, and Lando Norris. So anyways, going on. So again, I'm not going to break down the race like I have in the past. As I stated earlier, I think this race was boring. You know, even David Croft, or Crofty as they call him, said, you know, like the safety car made this exciting. So, lap 9, lap 19, the hard tires, to so those who were driving on them, they came alive. So, for the new for- folks uh, listening or watching Formula 1, this is the trouble with the hard tires. Everyone else on soft or medium, the tires are virtually up to temperature and up to grip within a lap or two, and you're able to go much faster right away on the soft tires, medium, a little bit f- slower, but a lot faster than the hard tires but they don't last as long so you, they get worn out so you have more grip better performance shorter lifespan the hard tires you don't have the performance right away as we saw you know lap 19 the tires came alive which means now you're able to really race they have some grip you're not sliding you're able to better control the car so this is really the dilemma for the teams you go in the hard tires you go deep into the race but you're slower especially before you pit uh, you know, so all the soft and the medium tired cars are going to race away to potentially catch them up later when you when there is pit stops because when you pit stop when a car is ahead of you pit stop and they change tires and you haven't you get to go ahead, drive ahead of them they're behind you they can catch up and pass you again it's a gamble but if you are on the hard tires and you go well into the race if you can keep the gap, and that's what the gamble is, if you can keep the gap to the car when they eventually pass you after their pit stop, their tires are going to be worn. You'll be able to pit for fresher tires. The gap won't be as big, because that's the goal. And then when you pit and change from your hard tires, like George Russell did in this race, you then go on the medium tire, depending on how many laps, or the soft tire, and you then close the gap and either pass them or stay in position. To me, I personally think the hard tires are never the option. You know, even even when teams pit early, sometimes you'll see them do this if you're new to Formula 1. They'll pit early, take off the soft tires, and put on the hard tires, go the whole race. And this, this I think, is an even worse strategy. Because you get to the end, and you have no grip and no speed. And you're either primed to be picked off, or needing to pit just to be able to get new tires and catch anyone, which kind of defeats the purpose, you know. So, to me, I think the hard tires, they're they're a 
tire for a defeated team that's willing to accept they're not going to do any better than their current position or they don't see any other strategy around it. I, I really do think that, hence why George Russell was on those tires. Mercedes didn't really have a lot of confidence in their car. We also saw during pit stops of various teams having slower pit stops, so that's the actual car going in, lifted up, four tires off, four tires on, uh, due to getting try, trouble getting the wheels off, and I believe it was the right rear for a lot of cars. Miami Grand Prix track temperatures were off the charts, and even the amateur ambient temperature was soaring. I think at one point the race was like 50 degrees Celsius, closer to 60, which is obscene. And with all that heat and the brakes and the wheels also generating hundreds of degrees Celsius of temperature, things expand. And that means getting the wheels off can be difficult. And that means slower pit stops. So you see this in a lot of the hot circuits. So a lot of the European races in the summer, um, you know, will have this. It used to be like in like Malaysia, places like that, there were issues. But you will see this at time to time at a really hot track. Singapore is another one. Uh, it's just the track temperature, the wheels, the car, everything like that. It expands, makes it harder to get off, and then sometimes harder to get back on. And you get a slower pit stop. Uh, I don't recall other than a wheel nut the tire not coming off the rim but it has it has you'll, you'll see them and they'll be sometimes they'll even have to get a hammer and try and get it off and at that point the longer the car sits there is bad one you're losing position on track two the car is overheating because it's idling at thousands of rpm and generating obscene heat and it's not getting cool or air flying through it and so when you see a pit stop like that it's never good and it normally leads to uh, DNF because the car overheats and they just have to either stop or they just don't even leave the pit stop sometimes. So this is to me the downside of racing at really hot tracks but it makes pit stops more interesting because you never know who might have a bad one and who might be okay. Uh, some teams seem to deal with this better. Uh, Red Bull I think is one of those ones and because of this it can also make undercutting or overcutting which is Again, undercutting is when you pit before the car ahead of you. Overcutting is when you pit in f when you're the car ahead and you pit before the car behind you pits. So, not used as often. Lewis tried it in the last race or two, I think it was Imola. Uh, but it means undercutting is a more common one. But if you go in and all of a sudden your pit stop is two or three seconds longer, you lose the advantage. So, lap 30, we find out why Perez earlier had been complaining on being on down on power. And we heard that conversation of the pit wall just trying to say he was, didn't have engine problems, but Perez insisted. And on lap 30, we get to hear from Christian Horner talking to Sky Sports from the pit wall. He is a mainstay on this pit wall communications between Sky Sports and the pit wall. Uh, Gunter Steiner's been on there. Otmar Safnauer has been on there. I'm trying to think if I had last time I can remember Ferrari. I'm sure they've been on there. I don't remember, but Horner, Otmar, and Gunter are on there quite a bit. Uh, used to be, I want to say Cyril Abitbull when he was with Renault. Used to be on there. Total Wolf, I can't remember the last time he was on. People who, want, I guess, really kind of want media attention, I like it. I think it's great because you get a bit of, hair, bit of strategy, and Horner is definitely more open during the race uh, than others which is, I like that. But anyways, uh, it turns out it was a sensor issue that had failed. 
and he was down 25 horsepower. I'm just going to say two things on that. One, he was not faster than the Ferrari, so that kind of tells you the Red Bull. When it's going to have an issue, it's not going to be a race-winning car. And so far, we've seen this kind of reliability issues. The other one is it's still faster than the Mercedes. So that really does show Mercedes has a mountain to climb. And I just don't think they can do it. You know, the Red Bull is down 25 horsepower, and Sergio Perez finishes fourth. You know, the Mercedes could never close the gap. So I think that kind of shows the depth of problems that they're facing. But, you know, uh, 25 horsepower is still, he managed to finish fourth, which I think is really great for Perez. That is, I think they had the best driver choice in that lineup now with Max Verstappen and Sergio Perez. Perez will never win a championship. That is Max's team, but you have a good second driver. Okay, so lap 41 is when this race got interesting, and I'm not saying it because of the accident, but it's because what the accident led to, a brief moment after. So Gasly runs wide into turn 7 and emerges back on the track, but is basically side by side with Norris. Norris starts to go past him, Gasly for some reason turns into him, and rips the right rear tire off of Norris's car, and that causes him to spin a few times, and Norris is out. First of all, I don't know what... Pierre Gasly was doing in those few corners. He just seemed to be all over the place, and it just, I don't know, lap, laps judgment, I don't know what it was, but yeah. Uh, so first we get a virtual safety car, and then we get a safety car, which made sense because that was not going to be an easy cleanup. Uh, this is where it did get interesting was the safety car. So George Russell of Mercedes pitted and got a change of tires uh, during this, which was important because... Hamilton decided not to pit. I think if Hamilton pitted, his initial worry of losing the place to George was true, but I do think he would have passed him because Lewis was leading George at this point in the race. Uh, Lewis seemed to be back on form a little bit. George had been a better driver this so far this season, but Lewis this race seemed to be on back on top. But he didn't want to lose a position to George. I think he could have gained it back. I think it was a foolish thing to uh, to not want to race, to not want to, you know, pit to do this. But anyways, he decided not to. George eventually uh, does pass him, and I don't think he would have stayed in front of him if Lewis had uh, pitted and gotten fresh tires. But anyways, that's that. Ferrari... Ferrari pitting also cost them the race, in my opinion. Ferrari needed everything they could to pass Max Verstappen. And I think they could have maybe even finished 1-2. At least Leclerc could have possibly gotten past Verstappen with a new set of tires. You know, the Ferrari car was not going to compete, but on a fresher set of tires, preferably the soft tires, maybe with that, you know, when the safety car ended at left 46, I mean left 41, maybe medium tires, but still newer, fresher tires to Max's 20-odd-plus tires, it would have been, he would have been able to pass him. And even if he didn't, Max would have had to have responded, which would have been later when everybody was bunched up, and it would have put him back, and would have maybe made it not enough laps uh, to pass him. But anyways, Ferrari didn't. They got the strategy wrong yet again, and it cost them the victory. And I think this... This is this is the issue, you know. At most, they were going to be behind 
Perez and the Mercedes, which they're faster than both. Perez had the problem, and Mercedes is Mercedes. So you're not going to be passing these faster cars, yet they didn't. Both of them could have gone like a bat out of hell and fought for victory. There was enough time, especially when the safety car ended on lap 46, without a shadow of doubt. But what we ended up getting, and this is what kind of made the race exciting, but it didn't last long, was a few attempts of Charles Leclerc trying to pass Max, and yes, getting a few decent attempts in there, and that's the driver that I'm saying Charles is going to win this championship, where it's his to lose. Uh, but he couldn't get past him, even with the RS, due to the increased downforce the Ferrari had with the setup versus the Red Bull. So, lap 50, Russell... Uh, gets past Hamilton. Again, Hamilton should have pitted for newer tires, but that's that. Take the you know lost position and then catch up and pass Russell, but he played it cautious. I'm wondering if how Hamilton, how much Hamilton is in it this season. I don't know if it's damage limitation in his mind or what, but where's the old Hamilton who would have taken that gamble? It's not like this was a dangerous track, and he was worried of that. No, it's just he didn't want to lose position. So I kind of wonder is George Russell maybe in his head? He, he, Lewis is normally in his other driver's heads, especially like Nico Rosberg. I'm now wondering, is George Russell in Lewis's head? Interesting. I don't know. So, one of the things uh, at the end of this race that we learned after the race, but I'm going to cover it now, is we now know why the Aston Martins started from the pit lane. So, F1 teams chill their fuel as it leads to more horsepower than, with the, sorry, more horsepower with the lower temperature. Uh, and Aston Martin had their fuel chilled lower than they would have liked. They had a technical problem with the chilling, which, when scrutineered, would have led to a penalty. And so, starting from the pit lane, they allowed the, to warm the fuel up to be within regulations, and then they chose to start from the pit lane to do so. Formula One cars run. How can I put it? This is Formula One. This insane details, technology, all of this chilled fuel for better horsepower. You know, Formula One cars are very warm, so you don't want the fuel to be hot because it does affect horsepower. When you have, it's like, when you look at the, the fuel at our regular gas stations, it's corrected to optimal temperature. But Formula One cars take this to the next level. I mean, we've got tire blankets, we've got all these things here. You know, fans for the brakes and all this stuff here. This is Formula One. This is part of the reason why I love it. Is that it's so technical, so advanced that every little thing counts. And you're like chilled fuel. Oh, it's too cold. Now that's a problem. It's not cold enough. That's another problem. It's that perfect temperature. That's one of the reasons why I love Formula One. But I digress. So Max wins with Charles second and Carlos third. Uh, Perez came fourth, which. You know, to me, was always going to happen with that sensor issue. He was never going to get any higher. Uh, he was never going to be passed by a Mercedes. They just aren't fast enough, even with that 25 horsepower deficit. The Red Bull is still a faster car. Uh, George Russell fifth and Lewis Hamilton sixth, which, to be honest with you, I expected. They were never going to get past. Their, that's their lot in life, on average, for the race. Barring anything from the top four teams having multiple cars out, all out. Mercedes doesn't stand a chance to have consistent performance anywhere near the podium. Uh, Valtteri uh, Bottas came in seventh. That Alfa Romeo with that Ferrari engine is fast. I think he's going to be hovering around that and a little bit higher depending on the race. Uh, you know, and I also wonder if Valtteri found his fire to drive 
with being dropped from Mercedes. I talked about last season how I didn't think Valtteri is a very good driver. He didn't seem to have the drive, that fire, to be there. He has the ability. He just didn't seem to have it, kind of like Kimi Raikkonen at times. I can say that because he's my favorite driver. But Kimi had that. Sometimes it's like you're a little bit too chilled in the karma, man. Let's get that fire race. So I wonder if he has found it again. Uh, Esteban Ocon in eighth uh, for Alpine, which is just good to see Alpine up there. Alex Albon in, in the Williams in ninth, which is awesome. You know, that Williams with Albon is great to see getting points. I hope that this is, they are on the right path. Nicholas Latifi, fellow Canadian, I'm not sure if I keep him. I really don't know. I think they need to look at a different driver because maybe they could finish in the points and ahead of a few people. You know, like Haas, for example. Uh, they seem to be doing better now than Haas did at the beginning. Lance Stroll in the Aston Martin in 10th, getting the last point from the pit lane. That is impressive. You know, Alonso is in 11th after two five-second penalties, so he would have been in the points for Alpine, but he had two penalties. Uh, Lance Stroll in the Aston Martin is impressive to me, starting from the pit lane. Uh, I know a few cars are out, but still. Seb, I think, would have also finished knocking on the door for 10th uh, if it hadn't been that he was out of the race. Seb has been doing the driving better lately, especially than he had all last season, so it's good to see. I do think that Aston Martin might be on the path of getting a little bit of performance. I don't know, but we'll see. So, as for the Drivers' Championships, Max, I still think, is going to finish second, even after this dominant Miami Grand Prix win. You know, Charles is the better driver in the better car this season. Ferrari just have to get the car set up and pit strategy right. Carlos and Sergio will battle out for third. I really think this... I don't know who's going to be victorious between the two. Uh, Carlos, I think, will at some point take third, but it's going to be a fight. You know, Carlos is in the better car. I'm just not sure the better driver. He was the better driver compared to Charles last season. Charles is now the better driver this season. But I do think that Charles, sorry, Carlos is going to get it sorted and he is going to be consistent. And so I do think for that, he'll take third and Perez will finish fourth. Uh, but I do think that's a fight. You know, for the top five so far of the championship, you know, again, Charles is first and he's going to stay. It might switch between him and Max maybe once or twice. I don't see it. I do think Charles might lead this wire to wire for the whole season. Uh, again, Sergio in third is only for now. I do think Carlos is going to take that. George in fourth, he's not staying in fourth. And nor is Carlos in fifth. Not for long. Uh, George is not going to finish fourth by any stretch of imagination. Fifth at best. Sixth if Lewis gets the fire that he used to have, and I hope he does. Uh, I don't want to see him go out. I mean, if he was on the verge of leaving now, I mean, he's not in the top five in the points. If he was on the verge of leaving the sport last season, I think he could be with this season. He doesn't seem to have the fire. I hope he finds it, and it's not too late, uh, because Formula One would be lesser without Lewis Hamilton. Uh, I will fully admit that. He's always in that Mercedes. There's always somebody... He's always someone who is either right there or leading the race and you're trying to beat him. And it's it's great racing when he is at the top. Uh, for the constructors, you know, Ferrari leads Red Bull by six. This is where it's going to get interesting. 
This is where Carlos not finishing races has to stop. Carlos cannot have foolish mistakes like he's had or putting himself into bad positions like he's had. And he has to finish the race and he has to finish in the points like this race. He has to be on the podium because otherwise Sergio Perez is going to be up there and it's going to be the two Red Bulls on the podium and Charles maybe first, even if he's first and the fastest lap, the points between second and third are going to close the gap and it's going to lead to Ferrari losing this Constructors Championship by, I think, I think the Constructors is going to be by a few points. I think it's going to be close. The drivers, I think, close as well. It could be a little bit of a bigger gap, but I do think the Constructors is going to be closer where both teams have two good drivers. Uh, Mercedes, I think, is going to stay in third. I think that's the only solid that I have that I'm willing to say is Mercedes clearly third. Uh, they're not going to compete for first or second, and there's nobody I don't think who can compete for third. McLaren, I think as well, will have fourth to themselves. I do think that's a little precarious because where it's earlier in the season, Alpine, even Alfa Romeo, Haas has shown. I, I don't think, though, that anybody's going to do much to challenge them there. I do think that. Uh, Alfa Romeo right now is fifth. I don't know if they'll stay, to be honest with you. Fifth is the one I'm not calling. Uh, fourth, I'm more comfortable saying because of Lando Norris. Ricardo is the only one that kind of makes me think. He's He can do good races, you know, uh, so I, I don't know. But fifth is up for grabs for anybody at this point. I think fifth can be, by the end of the season, fifth could be different. Fourth could be, but I don't think so. Uh, and this is kind of where I want to continue on a little bit of a point for McLaren, is get rid of Daniel Ricciardo. They cannot keep him for 2023. Lando started 8th. He was out of the race because of an accident, but he started 8th. Daniel Ricciardo started 14th and only finished 13th. Really. Personally, I think Daniel Ricciardo was done. He's got that contract for 2023, but I just don't know. He's, he seems... His drivers eventually hit that wall where their talent drops off, and I think that has happened for Daniel Ricciardo. I never thought of him as this amazing driver to begin with. He was always middle of the road with flashes of brilliance. Now he's just middle of the road with a rare flash of brilliance. You know, yes, he had the race win, but... Again, he's languishing more and more and more, well outside the points, when Lando is in the points. Yes, Lando doesn't always have the best race. There are races, but he is more consistent. And I think if you had two drivers, if you had two Lando Norris's in that car, I do think fourth is would be a guarantee this season. I'd be even willing to go so far as to say third could be a possibility, because that McLaren almost appears to be a little bit faster than the Mercedes or able to fight with the Mercedes. And when you can fight with a car, anything's possible. But as long as Ricardo is going to be languishing outside the points, fourth is that best they can do. And like I said, it's not a guarantee, but I do think they will. But if they lose, it'll be because of Daniel Ricardo. You know, they'll never do better than fourth until they get someone to partner with Lando who can compete regularly with Lando in the top 10. And, you know, that car has improved, but Daniel hasn't. I know they don't have a lot of money, but reach out to your sponsors, reach out to 
the owners. Was it Qataris? I don't think it's Bahrain. One of the two countries. Reach out to them and say, hey, we need money to buy out his contract and get rid of him. I do. I think just get rid of him because you're never going to do anything with Daniel Ricciardo in that car. It's... I don't know if he needs to be dropped like Valtteri does, did, to find the fire. Maybe that'll be it. Maybe drop him and he'll go to another team and he'll have the fire. I think if he gets dropped and he retires, even he acknowledges it then. But uh, only time will tell. I don't think McLaren is going to get rid of him because, again, they don't have the money to buy him out and then pay someone else off quality. But I think they, they really need to look into that. So, it's going to be an interesting season. I really do think so. Thank you for listening to this pod, uh, this podcast and this episode of Marshalls and Marbles, review of the Miami Grand Prix. Uh, Till next time and my review of the Spanish Grand Prix, take care. <laughs>